Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James Kay, and with me, as always, is Chris Pennant. Chris, oh my god, I don't even know where to start with this, but we're coming off a couple days since the WNBA draft, and uh, I don't know about you, but I'm still trying to, like, tame my emotions. I mean, where's your head at right now with uh, after such a crazy night? I mean, it's, it was my first WNBA draft, so if I hadn't had people around me uh, who were as shocked, I think I would have been uh, more surprised. But, dude, it was incredible. I, I, I couldn't believe – I mean, we were, we were pretty much reacting together in real time. But after the first two draft picks, everything just seemed like it was a toss-up and nobody knew what was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, what happened a few nights ago is it's actually something that I'll never forget. I hate watching drafts. Like, I do it just because I'm bored because um, I'm a loser and only, you know, I spend time <laughs> watching pretty much all those drafts, like the NFL, NBA. But, like, usually after, like, two or three picks, you kind of have an idea about what the rest of the – draft order is going to look like but this, like like you said picks three through 16 man it was just it's just something that you don't really see in other drafts and it's um but yeah i'm, I'm curious to, i want to hear your draft reactions just across the league before we get into the sky you know i mean they i feel like the sky had a really successful night but before we dive into that i'm i want to hear your thoughts what was your what was the most surprising pick through the night you know, when we were watching it on draft night, because there's so many different directions you can go with that one. Uh, Got to be Kaiser Gondrzic at number yeah. four. Um, we knew Aaron McDonald, no matter what everybody's mock draft was saying, was going to go high because the WNBA is getting to a point of popularity where people, I think um, even the GMs are going to watch the NCAA tournament heavily. And if you have somebody who has a tournament like she did, their stock is gonna go up immensely. And so having her at the latter half of the lottery uh, never really made sense to me. Um, I was hoping that everybody would kind of uh, have their stuff set in stone, have their pick set in stone so that this guy would have a shot at her because I think that they would have taken her. I honestly think that if Aerie was available at number eight, uh, James Wade would have pulled the trigger and taken her. But Having her go at number three, uh, especially to a team like Atlanta that's on the rise, has made some off-season acquisitions, um, both in in the roster and in their ownership group, that was a big splash for them. So I think having uh, Aerie available that early made sense um, from a team standpoint and from a marketing standpoint. But Kaiser Gondrzic at number four, we, we talked in our, our last pod about how uh, as Aries stock went up in the tournament, I think Kaisers had fallen after that performance uh, in their first round game. It's just out of character. And I think some of the season, shortened season as it was, didn't do her, uh, her any favors on the draft boards either. And so that was a really stinky final uh, data point for her to have. And so for Indiana to take her that high, it didn't start the dominoes falling, but it sure was, I think, the first big head scratcher for uh, those of us who were in some kind of a no. I was a, I mean, I was shocked by that pick just because across the board, a lot of people didn't project her going that high. Um, I think the highest I saw her go 
was in the second round, quite honestly. Um, actually, wow. maybe maybe the 11th pick, actually. I thought I on winsider.com, I thought I did see someone draft her that high. At the same time, man, I I don't know what Indiana's doing. Like, I love Kaiser Gondrzek. If you heard her last pod, um, she was someone that I was really high on, was hoping that, again, I thought maybe she could even fall to the sky with the 16th pick. Um, just the way that she's able to move the ball up the floor, she can play on and off the ball. And she's someone that I think could really be a real contributor in the WNBA. But yeah. for for Indiana, though, the I just the how much backcourt depth they have now. I mean, honestly, I'm I've been really curious about what Indiana's plans are and like what they think their window is, whether that's like trying to compete right now, which well, it's it's not going to happen. I don't see them really making the playoffs this year, if I'm being quite honest. Um, wow. Okay. Unless, a lot, unless a lot of things go right. You know, the, the the roster construction leaves me a little bit puzzled. And um, but that said, I mean, I do like Kaiser Gondrzek. If she's able to get minutes, maybe she can play next to Julie Alleman. Um, because, again, she does have experience playing the two, you know, in her second year in college, she was forced to play off the ball um, to make it work with their roster. So, you know, I guess in that sense, I mean, again, if they love Kaiser Gondrzek to the point where they felt like they need to take her at number four, a lot of media members don't have pre-draft interviews with prospects. And I think the disparity in the WNBA and MNBA coverage um, is still kind of wide because of that, because that accessibility isn't quite there, or maybe, maybe it's not even accessibility. It's more that, we need the media to care more about events like this um, and reach out to players. But I digress with that said, I, again, just completely shocked by Kaiser going that um, going that high. Um, who else were you surprised by? Like, did, was there anyone that you thought should have been taken in the first um, in the first round? Like I, the Dana Evans slander <laughs> with these WNBA teams, not going out and reaching, to get her when I thought she was one of the best guards in the draft. Um, you know, she falls all the way to 13 to Dallas, which kudos to them, man. That is a really, that's a great value pick for Dallas at the, with the 13th oh. pick, but was there anyone Dallas else that had the best draft? They low key, man, that they might've had the best draft. Um, you know, I, I love, I just to go off your point too, with Atlanta, just that backcourt is going to be so fun. Courtney Williams, Kennedy Carter, Ari McDonald. I mean, I forget who tweeted it, but someone's like, you got to give that core a podcast and just let them rile off an hour, you know? Oh man. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, think about that, dude, so much swag in that backcourt. Um, but who else did you, it's called called drip. Remember Asian Kathy, it's called drip. (laughs) We call it drip now. Now we're old heads. We're in the previous generation. So swag still makes sense. Writes down. It's now drip in notes okay it's called rip now (laughs) (laughs) oh man i actually feel so old now um but who else did you see like is there anyone else that you saw taken outside of the top 12 that you thought deserved to be there well we we don't know what happened with arella garantes for her to go so far down into the second round because she was odds on one of the top picks that just was sitting there waiting and i don't want to comment on what her her state of mind must have been. I think in the pre-draft interview, she said it was terrifying. Or the post-draft, I think she said it was just terrifying sitting there and waiting. But something, there's got to be something that we don't know. 
because it, there's no reason that I can see. You know, they had a tough loss to, to I think it was Wright State. But otherwise, I have no idea, no idea why she went so far down the board. It, I, I want to know what comes out and when, because Los Angeles, I mean, that's a, that's a big, that's a big move for the Sparks, getting a great player like that after losing CP. And they got uh, Jasmine, uh, Stephanie Watts in the first round. I mean, we want to see what that is. We want to see what kind of player uh, she is, because we didn't hear much from North Carolina. But I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand why Garantes went so far down the board. Yeah, that was definitely the biggest shocker, just because you saw so many guards go before her. Where you were like, okay, this is the team that's going to draft her. No, this is going to be the team that's going to draft her. You just saw her fall. Like, the only thing – you know what? I don't even like to speculate, but my only thought was, like, did did something come up with the physical or something? Like, I couldn't – I really couldn't understand – just just because she's someone that kind of feels like she's already ready to go out and play immediately. She's someone that can, she can push the ball up the floor and transition. She is lights out from three. Like, I, I don't know, man. I, I, that was one that I couldn't, I really couldn't believe. I thought that Los Angeles was going to take her with the seventh pick. Cause I was like, Oh, maybe that's why they moved up. Maybe they had someone in mind that um, oh. read some Intel where they can jump in front of the sky and get her at that seventh spot. And honestly, I thought the eighth pick, I'm like, Oh, did James Wade just pull a fast one on the rest of the league? I thought that that was like who uh, he was going to draft, but um, yeah, man, that, that was super shocking. Again, Dana Evans going all the way to the second round to New York or to, uh, to Dallas was just something I, I was shocked by, and also Kiana Williams, um, just after, I know she struggled a little bit in the last two games of the, like of the NCAA double, like the NCAA tournament, Jesus. Um, I mean, her going to the storm, I think that's a really solid fit for her. Just being able to go in right away, learn from super and Jordan Canada and be able to, um, you know, potentially find the spot on the roster there. I mean, I think that she's an exceptional talent too. She's so quick. Her first step is unbelievable. And I, um, you know, she can operate the pick and roll. I mean, she would be a really good fit. Um, she's going to be a good fit with Seattle. If she's able to crack the roster and everything, but just, <laughs> it was just so disorienting watching Arella fall the way that she did. Um, but yeah, I mean, was there anyone that you that landed with a certain team where you're like, Oh no, that that's the steal of the draft or this, this person is going to fit in so well with X team. Uh, just any pick in the draft? Yeah. I mean, whether I mean, that, that's cheating, right? Because Charlie and Awak got went one and two. Uh, sure, those are I, the ones who are going to fit the best. I mean, like, you gave me you gave me an alley-oop. That's not fair. Uh, hey, how about this? Anyone from uh, seven and down? How about that? <laughs> okay. Yeah, make it more difficult. That's good. That's what we need. I'm trying um, to help you out, Chris. <laughs> I don't want to... Yeah, it's a Sky podcast. So I is after I got over my initial shock about Shyla Heal because she was on the the um, the post draft interview list, but I think with all the boards that were left, I didn't expect. I don't know how many people expected her to go, but having watched her tape in the WNBL, I think she'll. I definitely think she'll stick. I I don't think that this is a a pick with the same. Um, 
high ceiling, low floor is Katie Lou because she's a she's an experienced pro for a for such a young person still. She has a very good handle. She's an exciting player. <laughs> she's gonna have a lot of ooh ah type moments in Wintrust this year. And with the proper coaching and the right uh, amount of play time, I think she could be a good successor to Courtney Vandersloot. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that worries me is her is just overall size and height. She's five six. I believe she's either five six or five eight. So big guards might give her trouble. And then the smaller Jordan uh, Canada ball hawking type guards might give her some trouble because she's got that exciting handle, but she turns the ball over a lot. She turned it over 41 times in 16 games for the WNBL this year. Uh, But I think that one's really going to fit. Renaya Davis too uh, for Minnesota. Man, Minnesota, man. Minnesota, man. Oh my God. They have get somebody check Cheryl Reeves desk for all of the lucky rabbits feet and horseshoes and other stuff that she's got in there because Minnesota getting Renia Davis is absolute theft, a theft. She was the one that I was going to say for this pick. I mean, man, you can get a six, two combo guard or <laughs> maybe not really a combo guard, but she's a combo forward, I mean, you know, look like a traditional, you know, in, in basketball, that's like a traditional wing four is six, two and mobile. Yeah. And man. On a team that already controls the boards. They're like going to be got, able to. Yeah. No, go for you got it. Sylvia, you got Nafisa Collier. You have my most, my favorite and most underrated player in the league. Demiris Dantas. Um, I, I think I don't know how much she's going to add, but I think they still have Bridget Carlton. But adding a player like that, a 6'2 forward who really goes to the glass, it just makes them so much more formidable um, inside the key. And one thing that Cheryl Reeves said on her podcast that came out a couple days ago as well is that she thinks that Renaya Davis's three-point percentage can go up as well. Like she's just said, like there's something about college players where you're you're focused on like more than just what's happening on the court, you know, you're, you're a college student and hmm. you can't just focus on being in the gym for two hours a day, working on your three point shot. She talked, she used Nafisa Collier as an example saying that, you know, Nafisa coming out of college didn't have the greatest three point shot, but then she was able to come in with the links and hone that skill set of hers. And now, I mean, now she, she can, uh, you can't leave her open in the perimeter. So I, I think that's what they view Renaya Davis as right now, as someone who can actually improve as a shooter, maybe become a little bit more efficient there. And really, I think she can contribute right away too. Yeah. And she's just so, she's a fierce competitor. I really think that she's going to be, when we, when we look back at this draft, I think we might, <laughs> we might scratch our head with a couple of these picks above Renaya Davis. Cause I think that she can be, uh, she's just going to be a contributor in this league moving forward. Um, but hey, you know, let's talk about the sky because I mean, I guess this is a Chicago Sky podcast. Um, I guess you know, uh, <laughs> you know, I just feel like James Wade had one hell of a draft, man. I mean, let's just do a quick overview of this. I mean, the Sky selected Charlie yeah, Heel. I'm excited. I want to hear what you have to say about this. Yeah, man. Oh man, I'm 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 so excited, especially you know. Again, I want I want to provide some context first, so. Shiloh Heel was drafted with the eighth overall pick. And then <laughs> this guy just watched Natasha Mack fall into their laps at 16. And I mean, again, I just think James Wade 
like he is one of the winners of this draft night, honestly, because the value that he was able to get with Natasha Mack, who was a first round, I don't know, like her talent level fits what, with the profile of a first round pick. And then you get Shyla Heal with someone that he clearly believes in um, and has been looking at for a long time. And I know that could be coach speak, but at the same time, he, he's, I've never seen James Wade so happy at, at a press conference before <laughs> after just talking yeah, about Shyla Heal, man. Tell me, tell me what that was like, because I, uh, folks, I apologize. We didn't get full coverage. I was ill. Um, don't get sick on draft night. <laughs> if you are a media member, especially if it's your first draft night as a, as a, an accredited media member, don't get sick. Just don't don't get sick. Uh, so James, I want to know what you, what you saw from, uh, coach Wade in the, in the post game or in the post draft. I mean, so, Chris, I'll give you an example because I thought it was one of the best moments of the night. So someone asked him if Shyla could come in and step in right away. You know, she's, again, 19 years old. She's 5'6", mm-hmm. still growing, um, which is, I think, a hilarious element of this. Um, that is crazy. <laughs> but James Wade said, well, she's going to have to because she's going to be guarding Sloot in practice every day. I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> I love that, honestly. Um you know, I'll just give you one of my quick thoughts about this because I thought there were some people who thought it was a reach to get heel with the number eight overall pick. And I know, I mean, again, I'm just going to reference Cheryl Reeve on her podcast. Um, she said that she didn't have heel higher than Dana Evans and that, um, you know, I mean, she that on her draft board, she just wasn't as high on Shyla, um, which isn't an insult to her by any means. But I've also never subscribed to the idea that you shouldn't draft a player you are in love with because you can't justify the position in which they're drafted in. You know what I mean? Like Hmm. if James Wade didn't think he'll would drop to the 16th overall pick, which I think there are people who thought that she could slip to that pick um, or that position in the draft. I think you have to go ahead and make the pick you're comfortable with. I mean, let's put it in perspective too. There were five guards that were drafted after Shyla. So, you know, someone could have seen what Wade saw in, it, you know, in Shyla Heel in the pre-draft process that if you really are bought into a player and you're like, you know what, that's the person that can give me the 10 minutes tonight I'm looking for in order to back up Sloot, who just need, he can't run her into the ground. You know, if the sky want to make a championship run, right. then go ahead and grab Shyla Heel at number eight. You know, there are things, and again, another moment from the post-draft press conference that Wade I, I thought it was a very valuable quote that Wade said is like, look, you guys are good at what you do, but you don't get to do all these interviews with the players. You don't get to learn the person. And, you know, you wouldn't just look at someone's resume if you were a boss and be like, okay, this, I, I'm just going to look at what's on paper and then I'm going to select it just based on, you know, only maybe not the fullest perspective of who the person actually is, you know? So he saw something in Shyla Heal. She said that, you know, she had been talking with Chicago before the draft as well. And it, they do seem like they're a really good match for each other because you have the best mentor in Courtney Vandersloot, you know, <laughs> one of the greatest facilitators in basketball history um, to learn from. And now you have James Wade, who, again, he, he shows that how committed he is to players. And there's something about having your coach believe in you like that and Maybe, you know, other people might have thought that they reached with you at the number eight pick, but James Wade saying, 
know, screw that. I want, I think that you can help us win a championship right away. And for someone who's been playing basketball since she was like professional basketball, since she was 14 years old, I think that your Shiloh's going, coming into a situation that she, where she can really thrive, but um, I'm sorry that went on for so long, but Chris, what were your thoughts on the Shiloh heel pick? I was surprised. I, I, she wasn't in my radar. So I was surprised, especially with the guards who were on the board and me just knowing and, and thinking about the fact that the um, that this guy needed, I think perimeter defense was something that they, that they mm-hmm. wanted. Now, granted, Diamond's coming back uh, healthy and uh, Kalia Copper's improving. And those are two of the best defenders that they've got on the team, on the wing. Um, Gabby is still on the team and she can defend two, uh, two to three positions. And honestly, uh, you know, it, you've got to save Courtney for the offensive end. But from what I saw in EuroLeague play, I think her defense was pretty sound in a league that is pretty heavy with good guard play. Yeah. There's a lot of good guards in EuroLeague. So I thought just from the bit that I saw that she had been doing well, you know, she's chasing around screens. She's staying tight on, on, on the ball handler in the pick and roll, but she looked good. She looked good uh, defensively, but it's, it's always been something that I've seen where uh, in W play, she and Allie had did not have good advanced defensive metrics. So I figured that they would go for, you know, not, not a three and D I hate that phrase necessarily not a three and D player, but somebody who could um, add some more perimeter defense and maybe a little bit of shooting, but to go for a player like heel who has, you know, scoring has, has been her calling card. I was surprised. Now that was before I saw her tape and said what I had to say before, uh, earlier in our cast. Uh, but I, I still was very surprised given who was available. Definitely. And again, Arella was still on the board, which I just thought, right. Okay. Maybe she's ready to go right now. And I, he, she fits the mold of a James Wade type player um, as well. But what I like about heel again, just the being able to play professional basketball for like five years before coming into a league that's super competitive. Um, you know, like I would worry about the size, you know, like her being five, six, if she had played in college, if she's someone that, um, you know, you're not playing against some of the greatest competitors in the world. Um, I mean, I do think the Euro league is ahead of the W I mean, I mean, not the WNBA, but like in, in terms of the NCAA, like, I think that she's in a perfect position just having, again, all that experience playing competitive basketball where the stakes are so high. And um, I think that's probably something that James Way valued coming out of this draft. Um, you know, I think the another experience aspect. Yeah. I mean, again, I know she's only 19 years old and everything, but and if you're put through the ringer for like four years like that, again, playing professional basketball overseas, that means some of that has to translate to the W, you know, I think that that's something that, you know, you're, you're forced, like, you're also someone that grew, grew up with an, with a parent who was an athlete too. I mean, you can't forget right. about Shane Heal too, who, you know, <laughs> who's, who has experience <laughs> with that as well. So I think that it's going to be, we'll tell um, that story. We got to tell that story at the end. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll let you tell that at the end for sure. Okay. But um, Hey, you can't overlook though what the sky got with the 16th pick because I think that it makes the heel pick even better being able to get Natasha Mack 
you know, <laughs> Natasha Mack was actually someone I loved heading into the draft, but I didn't talk about it on her podcast because I thought there was like no way that she would be available in the second round. But this guy kind of took advantage of some of these questionable calls by some other teams. And I'll completely take the L on that if uh, Natasha Mack flames out. But I would bet that she's going to be a great fit for this team. I mean, just looking back at the tape, man, I mean, she's 6'4", but her, she has a 6'11 wingspan. You know, she's someone that can, like, she brings a defensive edge in the paint that the sky have just needed for so long. And again, just looking back, going through the draft process too, one of the things I was super impressed by was whenever she was double teamed, that she showed maturity being able to pass out of the post. And for okay. a team like the sky, I mean, you're, she's probably not going to get double teamed in the WNBA just because of, uh, how much star talent is on this Chicago team, obviously, but for Mac to be able to have some vision in the post and being able to find some of these players that are knocked down from deep. I can't say enough how much I love this for her. Um, Again, if she was going to drop to the second round and when you were a second round draft pick like that, you have to find a situation where you can really compete for a roster spot and, I just could not believe that this guy were able to draft someone that not only fits, you know, what they need, like their team profile and like what they need from, honestly, I think that they might need Natasha Mack right away. If she's, um, I mean, how do you, I, I don't even know how this is going to work with the rotation and how she's going to find minutes, but she is someone that again, it's a block party anytime she comes in the game and uh, she's someone that fits She the sky need her in that in the in the paints but you know i think that mac also is going to get a great opportunity to show that she is a first round level player um and that should have been drafted there and um she's just coming into a great situation too so um i i just love the natasha mac pick and i think that this guy really their grade is higher because they were able to find the value in the draft like this you know what i mean I'm, I'm not the opposite end of the spectrum on Natasha Mack, but there's just so many people in the front court that it's difficult for me to see where she's going to get time to develop. Um, now, granted, she is the defensive player of the year in one of the better, in one of the better conferences in college basketball. Um, and she she was putting up points. She was one of the focal points, if not the focal point of Oklahoma state's offensive game plan. And she's got nice touch in the paint, nice touch in the mid range. And I didn't even get the chance to see what you talked about being able to pass out of double teams, which I always love um, in a big who plays who has a good back to the basket game. You have to be able to pass out of double teams. My worry is what she gave us her calling card is her defense. And there were points in that Wake Forest game in the first round of the tournament that she looked a bit tired coming back up the court. So I wonder about, you know, just how her stamina is going to be as, as you get into a faster paced game, pro game, even if you're only playing a few minutes a night. And then um, being able to switch on defense. Um, what else was? It was being able to switch on defense and also um, defending bigs in the post. You know, she got eaten up by Charlie Collier and Melissa Smith in the games that they played them. And in the Wake Forest game, Christina Mora, who was playing, um, uh, I think, power forward for Wake Forest, had 18 points on 14 shots. 
So I think that she is a good player with a pedigree, but I don't know where she's going to find time. And I also don't know if her skill set's going to translate. So one of the things that stuck out to me, I saw someone retweet one of their stories from before about how Sylvia Fowles credits her 2017 MVP to James Wade when he was an assistant coach on the Minnesota Lynx and that she wouldn't have gotten to the point where she was like defensively if, you know, Wade wasn't there to coach her up. That's kind of one of the reasons why I really like this pick is just that you're coming into a situation with the defensive mind of James Wade that's going to be able to help her develop as a defensive player and maybe turn into a maybe a more mature basketball player. Um, I mean, again, when we're talking about a second round pick too, I mean, we're talking about like, let's look at the, the ceiling of this player and if, can we get the most out of her and see if she is a piece that we can use moving forward. Um, and I know this, I mean, one of the things that we, I hate to keep bringing it up on the podcast, but the sky only have three players signed through 2022. I think with yeah. some of these with like with these two picks, Chicago has a little bit more breathing room as they try to figure out who they're going to prioritize resigning over the next two off seasons. You know, they can breathe a little bit more potentially getting again. I think someone who is a first round talent in Natasha Mack, maybe they can breathe a little bit or sleep at night a little bit easier, knowing that okay, even if Steph Dolson does find a better situation, let's just say like I'm just throwing out a random backcourt player that's going to be a free agent for this team. If someone like her finds a better deal and situation, you know, the next off season that maybe you can afford to do that by being able to pay Natasha Mack on the rookie scale, but also knowing that she can be a contributor if you're, if she's like, again, put in the right situation. So I think that the sky, the sky kind of have a sneaky young core moving forward. If, you know, let's just say like, God forbid that they end up going through like a rebuild project or retooling where they kind of build around diamond. Um, and again, I, I, I don't even want to go down this path where like third star players leaving free agency, but in terms of the breathing room that I was just talking about, I do think there's like a certain value in having someone like Natasha Mack, who, I mean, she's a versatile uh, front court player that they can utilize, not just I mean, again, I, I don't know how they're going to use her this upcoming season, but and I think James Wade kind of danced around that a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you know, during the post-draft press conference. But, you know, just having that core of Shyla, Diamond, Natasha Mack, Ruthie Hebert, I mean, that gives you just – you can start – I think that we can start evaluating this team not just on what's going to happen next year and the year after that, but you can start thinking about this – five-year period for the sky where you can see them being successful get like with any scenario that happens over the next two years does that like if that makes sense it does i thought about that um when i was writing up my piece for the next if natasha was a piece for the future like obviously shyla is um given what she's coming in with and what needs she fills i mean one she's a backup point guard which the sky need and have needed uh two she had, she's young enough that they could potentially um, get her locked in for the long term. And so that is definitely a help you win now and help you win in the future type pick. Natasha is the same way, I think, because of that same uh, consideration about getting players and, uh, for the future 
and staying under the salary cap because that's the real big consideration for next year and, and beyond is who can this guy afford to keep? Uh, Kalia Copper is going to command yeah. max or close to a max salary. And so it sucks, but the sky might not be able to afford to keep her. But it, it sucks in that one, she's a great player. Two, she's a fan favorite. And three, this is where she's made her, her mark. She was not, it was early, but she didn't get a chance to shine in Washington uh, before that trade for Steph and Ka uh, to send Elena out that way. Well, it was her first year, but if you, she didn't get a chance to shine. And I don't know if Washington knew that this is what she was going to turn into. Uh, so for her to have blossomed in Chicago, it sucks to think that they might not be able to hold on to her when the time comes. But they might not, they might, they might not be able to. So that's definitely a pick to um, solidify the backcourt for the future. Natasha, I just don't know if, if she'll be able to stick depending on who they want to keep because they have options. You can sign Z for the long term. You can um, hopefully, if you, even if you want to put money on it, Candace Parker obviously going to command the max or the super max. But if you really want to, I think you can sign Candace Parker for long term. Uh, so it's it depends on where the odd position out is. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, a pick like this just gives you flexibility. Just to harp on the point that you just made, just being able to just have a piece that you maybe you can move down the line to make room for someone like Candace Parker to get a max contract. And let's not forget Diamond to Shields. I'm going to be super yeah. surprised if she doesn't get a max deal after this year. I know she's had her bumps in the road with health, but that's it you know like she's someone that um i think what was it i thought that madeline kenny of the sun times reported that she turned down a deal that was like slightly below the max this past off season okay. um which makes sense um i mean she is gonna you about, on yourself yeah and there, she has all the reason to um i expect big things from her um so i you know if the sky have to pay up and they i mean they just do they're gonna have to do some simone biles level cap gymnastics to uh, Real, yeah <laughs> um but the thing is like uh, they're really going to have to try to think critically about how they're going to make all this work if they want to retain their core um and you know Vanderquigs is also someone they have to keep in mind but with natasha mack i just think you do have a little bit more flexibility and um being able to not completely abandon the idea of like what the future could look like if some of these key pieces aren't around um and you know I think that we kind of have to talk about this too, Chris, um, and we can just touch on it lightly here, but I mean, draft night did start off hot and in, you know, in sky town with Andy constable of the sun times. Also congratulations on your new beat, Andy. Uh, Andy. Andy. Yeah. Woo. Amazing. But, it sucks that we, um, we won't have battling, but uh, uh, they've worked closely together for a while now. And so we're not, nobody's losing anything. Yeah. Nobody's losing anything with Andy coming on. And shout Great out photographer, to, by the way, too. Yeah, man, and also shout out to Madeline for taking over some of these news beats for this for the Sun Times. It's incredibly hard going from sports to news, and she's yeah. an incredibly talented reporter. Um, and hopefully, we'll see her at Sky Games this season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Um, but you know, Annie Constable of the Sun Times. I mean, she did report that the Sky are waiting. You know, several trade options that include Gabby Williams. And, you know, again, I just want to put this up at the top of this conversation. Nothing is finalized. Um, oh. Nothing is finalized. There are a lot of things that could happen from now until training camp. And 
you know, I, I don't want, I mean, we're talking about another human being's situation that can alter their life. You know, we don't like, I just try to think that it might be a little hasty to just talk in depth of that, like about this without anything actually happening. But Chris, this is, this does have ramifications if something does happen between now and training camp. So the news didn't necessarily shock me too much, given what we talked about with the cap situation. But what were your thoughts when you saw Annie's report about Gabby Williams' situation in Chicago, you know, moving forward and might potentially be limited soon? Well, personally, I screamed. Screamed out loud. Yeah. Um, a scream of despair. <laughs> and then I looked the situation in the, in the face. And it's, it's hard to gauge because we've seen Gabby improve overseas the last two years. Uh, so... I think that she might be in the same or similar situation as Kalia Copper, where the sky feel that people are going to, you know, throw money at her when a contract's up and it might not be something that they can match. I believe, check me on this if I'm wrong. I, I don't have her hoop stats up, but I believe she's a restricted free agent next mm-hmm. year. So they can at least match any offer sheet. But I think um, the way that she's played overseas and you know she she played much better last year she started off the season very well uh, I think that teams might be looking at to to add a player like her on because she's a combo wing she's 511 she's she's got a uh, good size and strength and the way that James Wade has utilized her other teams can say hey here's a player that we can um, have defend one of the other teams better uh, small forwards or even the power forwards in a pinch if we're running a say a small lineup and she's improved her three-point shooting, and she's always good on defense. So, you know, all of these things are why I like Gabby so much, and I've been waiting for her to reach that uh, max potential that this guy have wanted since she came out of UConn. And that was an Amber Stocks draft pick, mm-hmm. and Diamond in that same draft. That's a good point. Uh, so it's, it's difficult, but I think the considerations are and, – and obviously we, we talked a little bit about players who have – Olympic, um, not concerns, um, responsibilities mm-hmm. this coming year. So Gabby's on the French national team. So she's going to have to miss a part of the season for training camp. And Estu's going to have to miss part of the season for Team Spain. And then Steph is, I think, the three-on-three. And Diamond is in the Olympic pool as well. So they're going to have players who are going to be out for a significant part of the early season. But I think uh, the Gabby trade question is more of a long-term uh, fit. I, I I wonder sometimes because it seems like she, the where she's been put as that backup point guard is not a role she really relishes. And she didn't play that uh, that much with uh, Sopron in this off season. She played a lot of off the ball. And I, I just wonder if that's, she's been kind of put in this, this uh, position that she doesn't really feel like she fits in or she doesn't like playing and if that's a consideration on her side but that's just a thought i i looked to see if i'd seen something i saw i saw something in the in the past where she felt like she was in a better position she said in, in something that she felt like she was in a better position not playing that lead guard role in the second unit but i wasn't able to verify so strike that from the record <laughs> well, <laughs> man i just don't think we've seen the best 
of Gabby Williams in the WNBA just yet. Um, not at all. Not yet. You know, she's done everything this team has asked from her, you know, and I think it's tough because she's proven that she can be the backup point guard for this team. And I mean, she's shown flashes of that. It seems like that was going to be something that was going to be a part of her game moving forward. But uh, again, like even with this in mind, I just think, you know, what James Wade said at the press conference after the draft, I mean, he told every prospect he spoke with that they were going to be tasked with backing up Courtney Vandersloot. So one of the things again, that makes Gabby so valuable is that she, again, she can play one through four. And one of the reasons why she's been so valuable to this team, again, when they haven't had that true backup one, you know, with Cindy Colson battling COVID last year and um, Chloe Jackson, not quite working out with the sky, Jameer Faulkner battling injuries. You know, Gabby has really stepped up for this team, but again, like now, Shyla Heal is coming in knowing that she's going to back up salute. James Wade would not have said that publicly if he didn't believe it. And like again, like he told every prospect that they would be backing up salute this season. That was going to be their role and that they're going to be comfortable with that. Um, so by default, Gabby was just going to see less minutes. There's just no other way around that. And I mean, again, I do think there's this factor of her playing in Team France, um, as Madeline Kenny pointed out on Twitter. Um you know, her being in a contract year makes it a little bit more difficult. And again, I just think that Gabby, we haven't seen the best of her yet. And if the sky, and I know other teams in the league probably feel the same way. So, I mean, if the sky can maybe add another draft pick out of this, just knowing that they need to give Shyla space and time to grow and not having to worry about you know, other competition, maybe getting in the way of that. I'm just, again, I'm just trying to think about this from all angles. Like I get it. Why this guy might want to try to move on from Gabby, but at the same time, like nothing is finalized here. And Gabby is such an important voice for this team, both on and off the floor. I mean, she really felt like the spokesman of the, of the team last year when we were going through everything last year, just like the beginning of a global pandemic, the, protests against police brutality and you know as the sky battled through some tough times with injuries and uh kind of having an up and down season last year so i mean she's such an important voice for this team and again she's she's sacrificed so much already in her young WNBA career both in with amber stocks and with uh with james wade so far you know like i i can't speak highly enough of her but you know, just given, I just wasn't all that surprised by this, just given the circumstances for both sides, if that makes yeah. sense. You know, yeah. again, I wouldn't, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised if Gabby's on the roster on opening night too, you know, so um, she's that. Yeah, I don't, sorry, no, go ahead. No, no, no. What were you going to say? I don't know if they get a trade done if they're looking into a trade still. I don't know if they get a trade done before opening night. Um, well, we still got the the um, players in the training camp who are on the roster to possibly get a spot mm-hmm. um, like um, Alexis Prince and Brittany Boyd and Jessica January. So one of those players could make the team do fill in a role where they can, and this doesn't, if this doesn't make sense, let me know to fill in a role where they would only need to utilize Gabby in one certain way, rather than having her, you know, take one of the accessories out of her Swiss army knife, mm-hmm. so to speak. I don't know if they they would I don't know if they would trade her before training camp because this is I mean this is the year. Yeah. 
This is the year for them. This is the Candace Parker, big splash. Everybody's talking about it. The Sky aren't flying under the radar at all anymore. I think last year they got a pass because uh, Diamond was hurt. And especially, especially after Z got hurt, everybody's like, well, this is, you know, the Sky aren't necessarily going to make that second round leap when they just have, they're, they're so obviously um, without pieces they need. But this is the year. And Gabby is a part of that plan for the year. What she brings to the table, if things change as the season goes out or goes on, or if they find a mix that works while she's away and things change, then that's that's for the future to tell, to decide. But Gabby is a part of this team's plans to win the 2021 WNBA Finals. I agree. I mean, I don't like the idea of them trading Gabby. I just think you can't be too careful. I mean, someone who's just proven that she can be durable and be reliable for that team. Like, you know what you're getting from Gabby Williams. Um, you know, I think, I mean, her just her floor game to game is um, higher than a lot of other players. And mm. you can't trade that reliability in terms of um, just steadiness. I know, again, Gabby, I think it can improve on the offensive end, but I think there are a lot of reasons why she hasn't shown her potential on that end of the floor. And she's, again, we've seen, like I, I would bet on the, her first part of the season last year than I would on the back end um, because of like what happened with that team, like just kind of falling apart injury wise. So, yeah, I mean, if you're going to trade Gabby Williams, you better get a, get the value for that. Um, because no, say it. You're going to say, you better get a damn good return. Yeah, man, seriously, because she can help this team win a championship and, defensively to lose a player like that would be, you know, I know you're getting Candace Parker into the mix now. And uh, maybe again, maybe we do see more of Natasha Mack than you and I are both expecting maybe somewhat like she's able to step up. Maybe Z is able to, um, I'm hope I think that you can bet on Z to stay healthy. Um, I'm hoping that's going to be the case this season. You never want to wish anything upon anyone. You know, I think that if she's back too, maybe you're betting on that like those three to really step up on the defensive end, but to just, you can't just give away Gabby Williams. She's just too valuable on and off the court. But um, Chris, is there anything else that you want to discuss about in terms of draft day topics or um, yeah, just the sky moving forward. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm, I was Jane, just so thrilled with what, what they did on draft night. And I just, this season can't start soon enough because I just, I need to see what this team looks like on a basketball court already. I just can't stop visualizing it. It needs to just happen already. <laughs> uh, the first of all, the, the Shiloh heel story um, that involves yes. her dad, Shane and Charles Barkley. Uh, that was fun. I know not everybody is a Charles Barkley fan and for good reason, but he is still one of my favorites knowing that he is far from perfect. Uh, Chuck <laughs> on, on inside the NBA, as they were going over, and this is one, let's talk about how on Inside the NBA, they were going over the WNBA draft results. Things are changing. Things are still yeah. changing for the better. But they were, uh, they said that. And Ch uh, Charles was like, heal that young lady, heal. Is she? And Ernie was like, Shane, heal, the daughter of Shane. And Charles, as he's trying to congratulate Shane on his daughter getting drafted, got interrupted like three times. <laughs> but he made mention of the fact that in a 96 uh, training camp or, you know, a, a scrimmage, basically, before the Olympics, 
the Team USA played Team Australia at the what was then the Delta Center in Utah. And Shane Heal went off for the Boomers, had I think six of 10 from three. And he was getting some of those those dejected oohs and ahs from the crowd, like, yo, don't let him touch the ball. And at a, at a certain point, I think on his fifth, he was shooting and Charles just ran through and gave him a shoulder to the gut. <laughs> and so they were yelling at each other going back up the court. And you know, if anybody has seen Australian sports, um, I want you to remember the term sledging. It's a uniquely Australian thing that is particular to cricket where Australian bowlers, basically pitchers, as they go down the pitch, if somebody takes a pitch or hooks, you got, y'all need to watch more cricket, by the way. <laughs> um, they will basically yell at the opposing batsman and they'll say stuff like, oh, that's the one you wanted to take. Why'd you want to take that pitch? It's like, yo, if you hook it on me again, I'm going to throw the ball right in, you know, you're going to get a bouncer right to the chest, stuff like that. And so team uh, Australian players are notorious for talking that shit and so Shane who had all rights to do this <laughs> yelled at Charles and put a put a, a hand in his chest as they came back up the court and so <laughs> Charles and Shane had their run in and after that um he said um he's like you're lucky you had a daughter I was gonna kill your ass and Shane tweets he's like Charles you're lucky I didn't swing it's gonna be good <laughs> so um Shyla is going to have, you know, I wonder, is Shyla going to have that same um, iron in the spine like, like we've seen from players like Sophie Cunningham, not afraid to get into, a, into the mix when things happen? Because this guy, they're gonna, they have those players, right? But their most heart and soul um, emotion on the sleeve player is in Atlanta now. So who's going to be that person who lets it out when they get into it with Las Vegas or hopefully with Minnesota, you know, who's going to be that player. And if Shiloh Hill gets in that, in that moment, that's going to endear her to the team and the fan base. And I think we'll show a lot to whether she is ready to step in because, you know, you don't have to be ready your first year, but I I think that story in itself says a lot about her and, and her upbringing and it's going to say it, it won't be a surprise if she's ready to, to go toe to toe with some Diana Taurasi. Oh, imagine Dude. if bro. I was, I was literally going to say, man, like, I just want Diana to be like, I'll see you in the lobby. And Shala just be like, you bet your ass I'll see you in the lobby. Yeah. I'm 19, <laughs> like, we don't have to wait. I don't care. Yeah, like, man. We don't have to wait till the lobby. We're not in, we're not in Florida no more. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> oh, my God. I would love to see that, honestly. I mean, you got to kind of earn your respect and that's I mean, with limited minutes, you're going to have to like play the mental game a little bit. You know what I mean? So, um, and honestly, I, that stuff matters. Having parents that have been professional athletes, like helping you navigate the media, having, you know, not letting your lows get too low and not letting your highs get too high. I mean, having someone to mentor you that you trust is so important and, I, I love that story from inside the NBA. That was so funny. Um, yeah, let's get more. How about get inside the WNBA going? All right. I mean, I would love to see uh, some show. Yeah, man, that would be great. I mean, I wasn't all too thrilled by the coverage on draft night. You know, I mean, uh, there's always room for improvement. We're seeing it already. Um, hey, shout out to Kathy Engelbert for juggling three basketballs. By the way, that, that was, was so dope. Cool. 
That was so <laughs> that was awesome. So <laughs> I was like, I see you, Kamish. I see you. That was out uh, here. Yeah, that was so cool. Um, but Chris, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Oh man, there was one. Well, I mean, come out with the merchandise. Um, oh, and big ups to the big ups to Christina. Um, gosh, it's it's we got game. It's at we got game too. Who Jasmine pointed Baker? out? No, was it, it was either Jasmine Baker or Christina Williams. Yeah, who broke the story about the Dallas Wings Rebel jerseys and how the program that they were based off of the uh, WASP program that had women training to be pilots was racially biased and so dallas pulled those jerseys which is great because one we need to stop lionizing the military without Mm -hmm. doing one without doing homework and two at all and two i mean that's it's i think you're seeing more now as as you're going to people need to understand this this is the last thing i'm going to say people need to understand is the wnba gains in popularity hardcore fans are going to get kind of pushed to the margins at the cost of increased visibility and marketing. So you're going to see a lot of stuff like this. And the fans and players who have been there and shown what the W is, which uh, is a league that will not shy away from activism, they're going to have to keep an eye out for things like this. So for it was I believe it was Jasmine. I think it was Jasmine Baker who broke this story. Big ups to her. Yeah. for getting this done because I hate seeing these uniforms that are just like, we're going to throw some camel on a shirt and donate to a veteran's cause of some sort, because it's, it's a lot of performance. That's yeah. Last thing I got to say. Yeah, man. No, for sure. Um, also the league has got to get this right with the whole Elena Deladon Jersey thing. Dick's sold the Jersey with the hyphen. Come on. We're talking oh, yeah. about hyphenless Elena Deladon here. Okay. Let's get the MVP's name right. Please, please uh, hire me as a copywriter if you need it. Um, but um, no, besides that, I, mean, I don't even want to end up. Hire James. Note. Yeah. <laughs> WMA, hire James. Get him, get him that salary. <laughs> I mean, I do want to just say one congratulations to everyone that was drafted. I mean, it's such a – that even if you don't carry on with your WNBA career from here on in, even if you're the last pick in the third round, I mean, it's such an accomplishment to even be considered to be invited to trading camp. Like, congratulations to everyone involved. More so, congratulations to Shyla and Natasha. We can't wait to cover you this season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a really fun year. And, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll be back on the pod later this week too. But um, great draft night. It was so hype. Glad to see the – more people contributing and being a part like engaging as audience members. So glad to see that the WNBA stock continues to rise and um, yeah, man, it's going to make for a great season. So I'm looking forward to uh, hopping on the pot again soon. Me too, man. I'll see you then. Woo! Yes, sir. Getting into it, baby. We're getting into it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Skyhook podcast. If you want to contact us, you can always do so by emailing our mailbag, which is the skyhookmailbag at gmail.com. One more time, that is the skyhookmailbag at gmail.com. And you can always follow us on Twitter as well. Our handle is at skyhookin, which is S-K-Y-H-O-O-K-I-N. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and 
look out for more in our feed. You can always subscribe to our podcast channel. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Yes, we're on Spotify as well. So please subscribe and give us a rating only if it's positive. No, do do what you got to do. But we really appreciate the support. And yeah, thanks for listening to the show. And until next time.